critics agree. Lysistrata Jones is no slam dunk. This limp new show is thin and contrived, needs more time in the gym, and by the second act, one has had more than enough. Mark Kennedy of the Associated Press says the show is wilting under the white lights of Broadway and the air is seeping out of the ball. Don't go away. Lysistrata Jones is up next on Flop of the Heap. Flop of the Heap's mission is not to bash, rip, pan, grill, or flambe the Broadway productions we explore. Nor are we here to put performers and other artists down. More importantly, we also recognize that part of the creative process is failure, and believe facing those failures with a critical but genial attitude should be the norm. There can be no success without failure. After all, you can't spell hopeful without... Uh, so Phantom is closing. Uh, yeah, so, okay, what, February 18th, right? I think so, yeah. I'm gonna try to see it one more time over the Christmas break. Okay, I was born four days before the show. That means if I survive till February 14th, I have lived as long as Phantom, and that's really all I need to do with my (laughs) life. So how many years is that? 35? Yeah. Um, that's a long time for a show to run on Broadway. And, and what is it? Uh, Chicago is the next to next in line, I guess, to be longest running. Oh my God. Chicago. Now that Phantom's closing, Chicago has to be like, yum, 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 yum. I'll take all your leftovers. (laughs) Yum, 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 yum. I think they have to run for another like five or six years though to catch up. Yeah, I probably, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, for tourist shows, it was split between mostly Phantom. Oh yes. Gobbling up all of that gobbling up all of those customers you know i have shit on chicago so many times and for so long for them so often just being like we'll throw anyone in that cast if it'll bring people in to see the show sure but now there's a trans woman playing one of the leads and i what what can i say i can't i can't diss the show anymore oh i didn't even know about that uh, Angelica Ross from Pose is playing Roxy right now. Gotcha. She's the first person to, she's the first trans person to star in a Broadway show. There's been principles. The first principle was Peppermint in Head Over Heels, but she's the first one to star. Yeah, I feel like it's time. Do you think it's also time for Maury Yeston's Phantom to come to New York? Absolutely not. <laughs> The opera's been invaded by a phantom. By a phantom. (laughs) (laughs) By a ghost, by a ghost, by a ghost, by a ghost. (laughs) Either Angela Webber has plans to remount Phantom in like a year or two with a smaller orchestra and smaller cast and smaller set. That. Or it's or it's it's finally time for Maury Estin's Phantom to have a turn. No, the word on the street is it's going to be Weber's Cinderella. Uh, well, that's going to last what a year? Yeah. <laughs> Rita Gardner just passed away. Uh, the original Louisa in the Fantastics, which was the longest running off Broadway show in history, still is. Um. How, so how is your show going? Well. You know... Okay, so audiences are lackluster? Lackluster, um, especially for any of the queer stuff, especially anything with me. I feel like I'm, like, 
I feel like I'm out adrift in a boat because first of all, like a lot of my the original jokes that were written for this character were removed because they were <laughs> offensive, but they weren't really replaced. So I really don't have a lot of written jokes to go off of, like things that you could look at the page and be like, ha ha ha. Uh, it's more about delivery. What is the title of the show? A Leg Up. A Leg Up, that's right. And I think the show has great po- potential for a big city. Yeah. It's just in Bristol, Pennsylvania, it was, it's, it's rough. It's a rough going. Um, well, every show's got to start somewhere. The show we're talking about today started uh, in a small space. Yes. Well, hey, good for the company for trying something different. 100%. And I think it's worthy of going yeah. somewhere else. It's just... No. It hurts doing it in front of people who might not have been prepared for what this is. Well, yeah, um, I'm back on Cats if anyone's interested, but I suppose no one is. Meow. Yeah. Oh, I I forgot to mention. So there's this um, musical that that I didn't know about. It was apparently off Broadway in I think 2016 that is blowing up on TikTok right now, called Ride the Cyclone. Okay. And essentially, it's these six kids who die in a roller coaster accident, and then they each have to like tell their story to decide which one of them is most worthy to be reborn. Or brought back to life or whatever. Oh. And, I was, and I was like, that's cats. Oh. This is literally cats. That's like cat. That's cats meets forever plaid. <laughs> so the suggestion for today's flop comes from a Flop of the Heap fan named Dave Adams, who is interested in us tackling a more recent Broadway flop, Lysistrata Jones. I honestly don't think there's been a single album that I've had to listen to for this podcast that I hated as much as this one. (laughs) Marla, we had to listen to Tenderloin. I would listen to Tenderloin again. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It was... I should, every, everyone, Ann? everyone involved in this is still alive, so I should because those are so bad that I enjoy how bad they are. This was just <laughs> I was bored. Yes, yes, I that makes sense. Um, I this isn't one of the worst ones for me. I think this one has some merit. Um, yeah, let's Google all night, shall we? Okay. I could have Googled all night. I could have Googled all night. All right. Uh, Do you want to answer questions or shall I? Uh, Why don't you? Okay. Ask me some questions. Okay. Opening date. Opening date of Lysistrata Jones was December 14th, 2011. And it closed. January 8th, 2012. Number of previews. Uh, 34 previews, 30 performances. When there's more previews than performances, things have gone terribly wrong. Correct. Uh, the theater? It played at the Walter Kerr, the current home of Town. Way down. I, I feel like we briefly discussed the Walter Kerr when we did our episode on Chu Chem, didn't we? Was that where it was? Yeah, because that was the Chu Chem 
opened out of New York and then was so bad it never opened in New York and then a few years later did have a production in New York but closed really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think the Walter Kerr is where it played. Okay. Um, Walter Kerr is the former home of Grey Gardens, A Bronx Tale, Gentleman's Guide, uh, before Hadestown, Springsteen was there. We haven't mentioned it too much uh, because it's really been the home of more plays than musicals in its mm-hmm. history. Angels in America, Proof, Love, Valor, Compassion. In known... Uh, perhaps you know this bit of trivia about the Walter Kerr is that it originally was constructed by the Schubert brothers in a record 66 days. Excuse me? It was built in 66 days. They should have taken some more time to measure the angle of the stairs in the balcony because it's a nightmare. (laughs) Literally every time I walk down the stairs, I'm like, this is where I die. (laughs) It is. Now, I did. I was able to find some information about the budget. Uh, I I read in one magazine that it closed at a complete financial loss, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, the grosses totaled only about one million dollars for the first seven weeks of the show, and by the last week, it was only running at thirty four percent financial potential. That's what I found. Also, just as yeah. a reminder, that's during the holiday season. When shows should be uh, the, packed with tourists. Yes, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they were seeing Phantom. They were not seeing Lysistrata Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what other shows were running at the time? Oh, I didn't even write that down. It was not a great season. I know that uh, Bonnie and Clyde was the only other original musical to open that fall. Baby It's You and Catch Me If You Can had opened and closed earlier that year. But then other stuff running that um, On a Clear Day revival with Harry Connick Jr. was open, Mm -hmm. but would only run for a few more weeks. And then the Anything Goes revival, the How to Succeed revival were running, and Sister Act was open as well. Okay, music and lyrics. Yes. Louis Flynn. Louis Flynn. What is he known for? Well, he's mostly known for being married to the book writer... Uh, Douglas Carter Bean, but they worked together a lot. Yes, they, he did workshop a um, a two Wong Fu. Uh, a wor- <laughs> he workshopped a two Wong Fu musical adaption. I like two Wong Fu. Two Wong Fu. <laughs> <laughs> I just love adding the liquid U to anything, really. Um, because his husband Douglas Carter Bean, who wrote the book, also wrote the screenplay for Two Wong Fu. Yes. What else does Louis Flynn known for? The only other Broadway credit I saw was he created some original music for The Little Dog Laughed, which is another one of Douglas Carter Bean's um, plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, Little Dog Laughed, uh, As Bees in Honey Drown, and then Douglas Carter Bean wrote the book to Xanadu, which he won Mm -hmm. the Drama Desk Award for. He also contributed to Sister Act, I believe. Okay. And uh, The Nance, did you ever see that? No, but I've always heard, it's always brought up a lot. I I, I thought it was a much more popular play than it seems to be. Nathan Lane, right? Yeah, Nathan Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what is the source material, Marla, for Lysistrata Jones? It's Lysistrata. Lysistrata by everyone's favorite classical author, Aristophanes. Uh, The original play, a Greek play, was first performed in 411 B.C., and now we get it here. Yeah, everyone loves it. Did you read how they came to this idea? Refresh my memory. So in an interview, um, Douglas Carter Bean was asked, what are you going to do next? And he jokingly said, 
a modern Lysistrata with cheerleaders. And then everyone started asking him about it. And then he's like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. <laughs> and then suddenly he had to make it. Yeah. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <laughs> now the original Lysistrata, for those of you who don't know, the, the basic concept is that this woman, Lysistrata, formulates a plan to end the Peloponnesian Wars by withholding sex from the men fighting the wars in order to force them to negotiate for peace. So it's sort of a um, a sex strike, if you will. Is this our Roe v. Wade episode? We're not planning a Roe v. Wade episode. <laughs> um, director? Choreographer? Uh, director was... I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. Dan Nectigas? I think it's Netches. Netches? I think it's Netches. I don't I don't know. Um I'm gonna say Connectisk. Okay, you say connect and I'll say Netches. <laughs> uh Dan also choreographed uh, Xanadu, so the, he's worked with this team before. Uh he choreographed Spelling Bee, the uh revival of 110 in the Shade in 07. He directs and choreographs all over the place. He's done stuff at Carnegie Hall, La Mama. Um, he assisted Randy Skinner at City Center. And I he came and directed MAME for us at Surflight back in 2001, I want to say. Inter- interesting. Yeah. Now, as I texted you, I know the musical director, and I don't know why. And who is that? Brad Simmons, we're Facebook friends, and I'm sure we've worked together, mm-hmm. and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how I know him. Well, it's six degrees of flop of the heap. So, Brad, if you're seeing this, when did I work with you? Uh, the show was originally produced at the Dallas Theater Center, and then we should talk about its off-Broadway run a little bit, or do you want to get to that later? Let's discuss that. Let's discuss the the history of the show. Okay, so Dallas Theater Center uh, originally produced the show. It was called Give It Up, as in give up your body. When it came to New York, it originally ran in a church gymnasium in Greenwich Village with a very small cast. Actually, it didn't, the cast didn't really change too much on Broadway. It just became like a flashier show. But it's only about a dozen people. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's... 99-seat house. Yes, and, you know, cheerleaders, basketball team, it, like, was held in a gym, and the audience sat on bleachers, and it was a very immersive, you-are-here-in-the-world experience when it ran in Greenwich Village, and it was really becoming popular. I mean, 99 seat or how many seats? 99 seats? Yes. Something like that. So, you know, easy to fill the house with 100 tickets each night, and... It was um, intimate and fun and ridiculous, and a lot of people. Do you know how they ended up? Do you know they ended up in that church basement? Uh, did their did the writers' kids go to the school or something? Yep, that's where they went to Sunday school. Yeah, yeah, it's like a private school or yeah, oh, a Sunday school. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Sunday school. Yeah. Um, how about some cast notables? Sure, uh, Patty Marin. Hmm. Uh, played uh, uh, Patty Patty <laughs> Marin played Lysistrata. Lizzie J. <laughs> Lizzie J. Her vocals are amazing, uh, by the way, on the album. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Princess Anna in is it Princess? Did she played Anna. Or did she play the other one? 
I have Anna written. Is that correct? <laughs> Anna, yeah, she played Anna. Yeah. In, she uh, Her Broadway Frozen debut Broadway. was Xanadu. She covered a bunch of roles in Xanadu. And then she was also a Glinda replacement on the Wicked Tour for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Uh, Alex Weiss? Yes. Played Kyle in Marvel's Iron Fist. Was an Ogie replacement. And also, haha, bringing it back, was in that off-Broadway production of Ride the Cyclone that everyone's drooling oh, okay. over. Six years later. And also Spring Awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz Mickle played Hetera, this sort of Earth goddess narrator role. Mm-hmm. And she will be playing John Hancock in the upcoming 1776 revival. Yeah. But she's best also known for best known... Friday Night Lights. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Did you catch that... During the production in Dallas, her apartment building burnt down and 100% of the tickets, yeah, 100% of the tickets went to charity for the victims. Oh my god. Yeah. Was anyone killed? I don't think so. Oh god, that's scary. Well, good for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who else? That's all I wrote down. Uh, Josh Segarra plays Mick. He's like the... The head guy in the basketball team, I don't, I, I, whatever the lead player. Coach? No, <laughs> what are they called? Uh, the <laughs> captain, captain, cap, captain. <laughs> he plays the captain He's of sports. the basketball team. Oh, sports. Uh, also played Emilio and On Your Feet. Um, Jason Tam plays Xander. Jason Tam, uh, his Broadway debut was actually as a Gavroche in Les Mis in the nineties. Uh, and then he was in Chorus Line, uh, If Then, Dear Evan Hansen, Be More Chill. Um, those are the big ones that I had. Uh, now, there is a recording that was released in 2012 with a bonus track by Jennifer Holiday. I did not catch that bonus track. <laughs> you said you listened to the soundtrack, right? Yeah. The soundtrack, the album album yeah the, there's a there the last track is jennifer holiday singing hold on i think i saw a finale and was like oh thank god we're done and turned it off yeah 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 um now lissa jones was nominated for a tony for best book and a drama desk for best best book but did not win any awards and there was a point where there was an announcement made that it would be turned into a movie did you know that i did not know that it might work better as a movie I could see it actually being a movie. Like, it's very high school musical, you know? Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they did that at some point. Yeah. We should explain how this is adapted. Okay, yes. Yeah. So instead of Athens, Greece, it's Athens, Athens. University or mm-hmm. something, which yeah. is like now, I guess, right? Or, I mean, now meaning early 2000s. Yes. And instead of the Peloponnesian War... The ladies are trying to get their basketball team to win, and they've had this losing streak for, like, 30 years or something. Yep. Yeah. So they refuse to, the cheerleaders refuse to give it up to the boys till they win a basketball so, game. So, no sex, no blowjobs, no handjobs, no nothing. What? And then the men go to a whorehouse. It's just... <laughs> There's no... I don't even know how to put this. With the original Lysistrata, there is such a major thing on the line. 
to stop death and destruction. <laughs> yes. The stakes, the stakes are very high in La yes. Estrada. <laughs> and the stakes here are nothing. They're terribly low. And I think that's one of the major problems. Yes, there. The comparison is not doesn't really. You know, it doesn't even seem like the basketball team is interested in winning games. Yes, they've they've accepted. Like in Lysistrata, they're definitely interested in winning the war. Yes. Um. So just basically, Lysistrata Jones is a, a recent new student, and she's also the head cheerleader. As I said, Mick is the captain of the basketball team. They are in a relationship. Then there's uh, Xander, who is this sort of computer nerd, left-wing blogger, who falls for Lysistrata. And then there's Robin, who's the poetry slam girl, who falls for Mick, who likes classical poetry and is always quoting, like, Whitman and Dickinson. And then there's even two basketball players that fall in love in lo- in a sort of a gay subplot. Good for them. And the boys, like I said, don't they don't try very hard on the court. They end up finding sex with prostitutes as a substitute. And I thought this was funny. In the final basketball game, in the finale of the show... The Athens Spartans play against the boys from Syracuse. Help. (laughs) Help. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so score next or anecdotes and stories? Because other than, I don't have too many stories, but we could do that too. Uh, I didn't have any. Uh, The only thing I had to mention maybe is that in the show, Lizzie has to make, I believe, three baskets in a row. Which oh like yes one of those yes, thing, it's one of those things when they do this to actors how and shows, dare you. and I'm like, how dare you? How You'd be running around dancing, you. singing, your you <laughs> can barely breathe, and you have to stop everything you're doing and focus and make three baskets. It's like Barnum when it's like, okay, I know you've been going wild for the past hour. Now take a deep breath and sing while crossing this tightrope. <laughs> God. Yes, please be a triple threat. Also unicycle, also tightrope, also juggling camels. <laughs> like, insane. Yeah, just a couple things. So I read that Patty Murin was actually a cheerleader in college, so she was, like, perfect for the head cheerleader role. Josh Segara was actually a basketball player in high school, but then quit when he started getting cast in musicals because you know how that works. Um and the cast actually prepared for all their basketball onstage shtick with a five-day clinic led by Chris Mullen, who was a retired NBA All-Star. Oh. So what happens if she doesn't make the basket? I've been trying to figure that out. I, I have no idea. I mean, there must be some line where she's yes. like, I'm going to keep trying till I get it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Can't the props guy just like... Put the ball Put on a, a string. string or something and pull it through the damn hoop or a magnet or something. I don't know. <laughs> Can't they just do, like, a projection of a basketball now? <laughs> I'm going to sue, like, the that they made the hoop just, like, a little bit bigger. Yeah. <laughs> the hoop is the size of a small swimming pool. <laughs> just, just try. Just try to get it in there. Well, it works fine for the boys because they don't have to make their baskets because they're supposed to be a shitty basketball yes, team. Yes, it's only Lysistrata yeah. that has to make the baskets. Okay. we. <laughs> First of all, I never, ever want to see sports in a musical. I whoa, never Whoa, whoa, whoa. Aren't you in want... love with Damn Yankees? No. I have always thought Damn Yankees was a mess. 
I've always said that Damn Yankees is dumb because most of the the most important action happens. Everyone's like looking off left, and it's like, whoa! <laughs> like, like, look at that ball go, and you never see a you never see anything. Does that not remind you of when I played Houdini and everyone would look off stage going ooh ah, and then I had to appear <laughs> as if I had just done ah, something amazing, and then you and then you're like ta da! <laughs> Literally broke my soul every single night. Yeah. That's why you have no soul now. I know. All right, mm. lyrics. Uh, okay, so you did not care for the score, yes? I just, it was just, when scores, so, okay, let me do this now so I'm not, I don't sound too mean. Okay. It wasn't a bad score, but it was just, I felt it was sort of mundane, and yes, I... I'd rather have it be terrible so I can enjoy how terrible it is. Um, well, that's the thing. I didn't think it was bad. I mean, the, the music, the style of music is not my cup of tea, you know. Um, but it all sounded like music that the kids like, right? <laughs> well, I, saw, I, I felt sort of, and I'm sure purposefully, a lot of it felt and sounded like cheerleader cheers with these short yes. repeated phrases that anyone you know could follow along with at a at a basketball game after having you know uh, a six pack of a cheap beer yeah but i don't know if i want that level of simplicity in my musical there were some clever moments but yes i'd say a majority of the like, some of the ballads were really great they were good mostly ballads. because of the mostly because of the vocal pyrotechnics yes. you know not necessarily yes. lyrically but I think, you know, yeah, a lot of the songs just sounded like fun, I don't know, just like hip-hop kind of clubby, I, I don't know. It sort of sounded like everything, it was like everything that I wrongly expected Legally Blonde to be. Okay, yes. But Legally Blonde was more than that. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of um, basketball sex double entendre. And not necessarily ones that I thought were super clever. Did you notice... Okay, so in the final game song, mm -hmm. they actually use a patch of sneakers squeaking on a gym floor as part of the orchestration. Did you hear that? No. It's a little disturbing. It's, it sounds like rats crawling under the seats, but I think <laughs> it's supposed to be... It's supposed to be like that, ryth that rhythmic, yeah. like... Harlem Globetrotter type things, but it's yes. in the keyboard part, or or it's part of the percussion patch or something. On well, a... I'll have to play a clip. I'll play a clip yeah. of that. Here's one of those examples of those things. I was just like, it's like a cheer, but also I was. Is it that clever? There's a whole song where the main lyric is, no, no more giving it up till you give up giving it up. <laughs> yes. I kind of like it. <laughs> There's a lyric in there that I, I don't, I didn't write down what song this was from. It was, I be their posse by way of Bob Fosse. And I was like, were you just looking for something that rhymes with posse? Like, what, what sense does no, this No, they were probably looking for something that rhymed with Bob Fosse. <laughs> <laughs> okay i've got a lyric in change the world uh-huh women from like long ago 
have shut their legs and just said no. We're holding hands with history. Now it's your turn to pledge with me. Again, the lack of stakes in what they're doing this for, I don't know if it makes it comedic or it makes it feel cheap. Well, I think, I mean, the whole thing is funny. It, it's not meant to be taken super seriously. It's yes. it's supposed to be silly, you know. I just, I don't know what is Lysistrata's purpose for wanting the basketball team to win games. She's just tired of them losing? That's Like, it. what's in it for her? Good point. Yeah, no stakes. Um, there's one lyric, and I, I forget what song it's in. It's that narrator character. At one point, she mm. sings, Have mercy, good God, we got a sex jihad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, more lyrics, go. I didn't really have any others. All I wrote was that, like you said, the ballads were kind of good. Yeah. Where am I now? Where am I now? Could be a really good audition song, and I I think I've heard it used before. Is this all there really is? Just endless days of making do, putting up with second best, always wanting something new, wanting something better to shake me to my core. Something magic, something more. When she when she smiles, that's a great ballad. I thought that was like a marketable pop yeah. song. Cause when she speaks, it's like my heart just skipped a beat. And when she moves, it's like my world is falling through. It's when she smiles. It's when she smiles. Did not hate that song. I didn't see I didn't I didn't really hate anything. I didn't it was think the any- ensemble numbers. No, the ensemble. It's like it's like when you listen to an album and you know like, oh, this song is like raucous but uninteresting that's because mm. you should be watching it that's a good point you know you need to be watching the the basketballography and the sexy half-naked cheerleaders and basketball boys it's more about the visual than it is about the music mm-hmm. okay here's some more lyrics for you okay. uh where am i now lyric all i wanted was to win just to feel how it might feel just to say for once we did it. Just to open my eyes and see something different than before. So maybe that was too much. Maybe too big a dream. Too late to turn back now. So how do I go on when everything's so wrong, 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 wrong? I mean, wrong in doesn't the context- rhyme with on. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, and then in don't judge a in don't judge a book. There's like. Synesius is the Jewish boy and Mirin is the hooker. And she sings uh Is there is there a more classic pairing? There is no more classic pairing. Um <laughs> Okay, this is perhaps the most egregious lyric in the show. She says, You've been a player like I've never seen, been waiting for you my whole life. Baby knows what she really wants. Make this hoe your loving wife. Then he responds, No, no hoe, 
no moho. Don't judge a book by its cover. I can't live this lie anymore. I've been a player, and I really don't want to, you know, prostitute. <laughs> Help. <laughs> I mean, once again, it is meant to be tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> you know, but it's... <laughs> yeah, funny. Are we on to critical? Yes, I think it's probably best for us to move on to critical reception and let others tell us what they felt about the show. Now, these were mixed. I found very few. Have you found? I've not, I could not find a ton. It, you know what? It was hard. I the, the first five, six reviews I found all were really positive and supportive and uh, wanted the show to continue. It, it took a while before I was able to find some negative reviews, but I found some. Let's, let's start with, with positive. Let's start okay. with Ben Brantley, just because I was shocked that he enjoyed this so much. Yeah, okay, give us some Ben Brantley. I've got some. Uh well, first of, of all, the title. Too. Now, he the had title, two two articles. Which one did you Oh, I had the one that was titled Yes, even sexting is off limits. Okay, yes. I believe that was the Broadway one and the other article was the Off Broadway? Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, the other one was called Happy Sweating and Singing. Yeah. Uh so Ben Brantley writes, let's see. So when it was announced that the show would be transported to Broadway, there were there were fears that Lysistrata Jones would meet the disenchanted end that often befalls resurrected summer romances. Bubbly little shows from small stages, the original production was a gym, tend to pop and evaporate in the open air of big houses. Yet the production that opened on Wednesday night at the Walter Kerr Theater warrants not only sighs of relief, but also... At least a few lusty cheers. Mm -hmm. Positive. The first article by Ben Brantley, uh, he calls the show effervescent, tasty, and surprisingly filling. Hmm. Uh, Quote, a production steeped in a giddy appreciation, both starry-eyed and savvy, of that sweet spot in pop culture where mainstream blandness turns into so stupid it's smart camp. Yeah, he seemed very... He liked it. He seemed very happy to see a show that was cheery. He uh, wrote in the other other article, Though it is hard to believe in the era of angst-steeped shows like Rent, Spring Awakening, and American Idiot, there was a time, or so I hear from the old ones at the bar at Joe Allen, when it was fun to be young in a Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben Brantley had talked about how... Um, well, he compared Liz Estrada to, like, those fluffy teen-centric old-timey shows like Babes in Arms mm-hmm. and uh, Good News. And he said that those kinds of shows have really been missing since West Side Story made teenagers serious. <laughs> True. All right, uh, stick with the positive here. Uh, David Rooney, the Hollywood reporter, called the show an obscene amount of fun. And then David Sheward in Backstage um, had some good things to say. And this was some stuff I, I didn't know about. Um, David Sheward, quote, each of the characters starts out as a broad stereotype, just as Aristophanes figures are, but Bean turns the cultural expectations inside out, creating complex people within a comic context. And then he says, for the record, the last musical version of Lysistrata I can recall playing New York 
was a 1961 flop called The Happiest Girl in the World. Add it to the list. Here's hoping this one has a longer life beyond its current limited run than that sorry show. So not the first attempt to bring Lysistrata to the Broadway stage. No. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more positive before we move on? No. Okay. Uh, Mark Kennedy, The Associated Press. The bodies are good, but the book is flabby. <laughs> do they give Tony Awards for best abs? If so, there's really only one clear winner so far this season, Lysistrata Jones. When it was stumbled upon at Judson Memorial Church, there was a surprising jolt. The quality was really high in such an unusual place. But the show is now wilting under the white lights of Broadway. And the air is seeping out of the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mark Kennedy also says the show features a locker room worth of muscular guys and girls all dancing in tank tops, cheerleader skirts, or even less. The musical itself, though, needs some more time in the gym. Oh. Regarding the plot, Mark Kennedy says, quote, The show reaches for a discussion of fatalism and free will, of the bravery it takes to stop the status quo and risk everything, and even, perhaps, of American exceptionalism. The trouble is that peaks of these larger themes are lost amid all the raunch. Uh, yeah. Do these larger themes that they tried to shoehorn into this you know, fun-timey teen musical work. Let's see. Okay, Joe, I cannot pronounce this last name, Zimianowitz, New York Daily News. Quote, the production, after its transfer to Broadway, conjures a schoolgirl tottering around in mom's high heels. It's cute for a while. Long before the production maxes out its overindulgent two-hour-plus running time, a desire for something more substantial sets in. And that's all I have from him. I don't have any other negative reviews. Uh, the, other, the only other one I have is Chris Jones in the Tribune. Mm-hmm. Gone. Chris Jones, the Tribune. The title of the article is No Sex, Please, We're Cheerleaders. Uh, he calls the show limp, thin, and contrived. And then, quote, The original play combined subversive comedic antics with hefty stakes, as you had mentioned. The derivative combines campy comedic antics with no stakes whatsoever. Unless some joker has given you Athens U in the March Madness pool. Off-Broadway, the show was widely seen as a satire of Broadway musical exploitation. But once you move the outsider proceedings onto the Great White Way and into the very temple of absurd indulgences, that meta quality starts to look a lot more like wanting to have your sexy cheerleaders and shirtless athletes and poke fun at them, too. The satire just does not have enough of an edge to pull that off. By the second act, when the show vanishes into a whorehouse and never quite comes out, one has had more than enough. As many a past director has found, Lysistrata is one of those plays that only seem to accommodate a progressive viewpoint. Actually, despite its seemingly feminist sympathies, its use of sex as a weapon invariably ends up trivializing the very girl power that adapters and directors want to celebrate. Better to do the thing in drag. Although, I don't know exactly what that means. Uh, as in, it doesn't, it doesn't hit the feminist narratives s- strongly, yeah. I guess. That it's, that it's a, a man's 
idea of feminist narratives, maybe? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then there's Stephen Suskin in Variety. I kept getting the same articles over and over again coming up on my thing. Go on. I, I, I did too, yeah. Um, Stephen Suskin wrote something briefly about the Washington Square version. He said, it's a plot that launches a thousand laughs, old and new. And the songs are humorous and mostly functional, though weakening as the evening goes on. And furthermore, the basketball court acoustics make some of it sound more loud than musical. Which, I mean, they literally did it in a basketball court. There's no sound dampening of any kind. You know, it's not me- that's not a space that's meant for a concert or a show. Just echoey. Why do we think it failed? Uh, balls on stage. Uh, uh, how how much how long after High School Musical was this piece? Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Okay, so it wasn't too far behind High School Musical. It was like kind of riding the coattails of High School Musical vibes, right? Yeah. I don't know if that's a bad thing necessarily. In most cases, it would be maybe a good thing because so, that was so popular. I, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I think probably the title killed it. Don't you think? Do you think uh, Give It Up was a better title? It's just, it's not... Like, even if you knew that Lysistrata was based on a Greek play, it's not a terribly catchy title. I mean, somebody mentions Aristophanes and tourists are going to go running, screaming for Phantom, you know? Yeah. Well, not anymore, but... I don't know. I just don't think the title... I don't know. Maybe Give It Up would have been a better title. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to... It just sounds more marketable. I don't want to blame it on just that. It's just... I don't know. Like... Oh, no. I think there's many more reasons. But I do think, like, like, if you want to get butts in the seats and get word of mouth, you know, you need to be able to pass out your brochures at TKTS and have people buy tickets. Because if you're like, oh, what what's this? And someone says... Oh, it's a classic retelling of the Greek play Lysistrata. No one is going to be like, oh, yes, and that's what I yet, want. and yet, there's that exact thing in the Walter Kerr right now, raking in ticket sales. Uh, that's true. I, I don't know if the show. I think the show would have worked better if it had gone even harder into the parody of it. Really played about how low the stakes were, really, like, made a mockery of the mockery that was the story. Do you know what I mean? I, I got the impression that it it did. Like, it was very joke. You think jo- it did? It, well, it seemed very jokey. I don't know if it was jokey in the right way. Like, I think it had to be jokey in the way of, like, not another teen movie or something. I don't know. Yes, maybe, like... Like, mocking the genre. Totally. Um, There were no... St- Stars in the show, that might be part of it. I mean, that's not always the case, mm-hmm. but... That was not... I feel like in 2011, that was not as much of a... You didn't need that box uh, office draw. A must-have a must yeah. as now. Um, The songs, like we said, are all sort of serviceable in moving the story along, but they're all sort of, I don't know, a little hollow in that generic way that modern original musicals are known for you know like the that's that's it that's the word hollow that is what i felt yeah. the entire time like as much as much as i love kinky boots the the last song in act one is everybody say yeah 
like it doesn't say anything specific. It's just a celebration of an achievement in a generic sort of everybody say yeah, like yay, we did good. Yeah, it it, it that's it, and it works in the show. It just isn't a standalone song. Like nobody's singing, everybody say yeah. It's like it's kind of like get you get you get your head in the game, sort of like what. Yeah, and that's what a lot of the songs were. They were like a lot of like come ons and like repeating. Oh yeah, like, I mean, I, I think most two of the word songs phrases. Were, yes, hold on, give it up, never yeah. say never. Uh, even like don't judge a book by its cover. The writing on the wall. I mean, these are all definitional cliches. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't think it played into them hard enough. If they were going to do that, you have to like really mock what you're doing. Yes, which it was a it was seemed to be a combination of the two. Um, okay, so how much do you believe that the change in venue was what sunk the success of the show? Because several reviewers mentioned it. I mean, what else could you have done though? You weren't going to keep running in, in a ninety nine seat house. Well, that's I think that's my that's my question is why why not? You can't make money that way. The the performers were literally make. I saw an article that said the performers were making less than minimum wage. Oh yes, I did read about that. They kind of like yeah. It was they all believed in the show, so they stuck with it, but they were losing money. I don't know, but where are the off Broadway draws? I mean, there should be. I feel like there should be more draw to off Broadway theaters for smaller shows that should be able to survive financially. Mm-hmm. You know, like. What's something fun to do this weekend? Did you hear about the basketball musical in the basketball court? Like, that is something unique and interesting and different, you know? And doesn't cost $500 to go get a front row seat in the orchestra. It's it's something unusual. Like, wouldn't it be cool if some of the hottest tickets in town were the niche off-Broadway shows, you know? Yeah. I mean, other than um, Play That Goes Wrong... Not really a thing. Right, yes. But in the day, like, we could go see Forbidden Broadway ran off Broadway forever and forever, and that was something unique to do. And the the Fantastics, I mean, that was always an off-Broadway show. Yeah. I mean, there's some things that have been successful recently, um, somewhat, like the Winnie the... Not with 99 seats. No, not with 99 seats. It was things like Sesame Street, which is on right now and the Winnie the Pooh musical was well loved yeah but I've got a friend uh, is the puppet wrangler on the Winnie the Pooh musical right now see when there's a dog wrangler the, the dogs have <laughs> have some amount of free will what what's a puppet wrangler to, like oh well they've got to wrangle the puppets I mean they're not in case house trained <laughs> Sp- Speaking of house training, give us some pup dates. Well, I just took her to get her bordadella. Um, it wasn't a shot. There's just a liquid they squirted in her mouth, which I was very surprised about. What's a bordadella? That sounds like a pasta special. That's, uh, I believe that's kennel, kennel cough. Oh. It sounds like a lovely bolognese with peas. Oh my god. She's getting fluffy again post-summer. Uh, she's sh- mm-hmm. she's shaggy dog again. <laughs> I don't know. She's a Muppet. What else can I say? She's a Muppet. Well, that's why you need a Muppet Wrangler. Correct. <laughs> Do you think 
Lysistrata Jones can work today. On Broadway, no. No. Regionally, I think regionally, yes. Yeah. yeah, I think probably. It's fun, it's entertaining, it's, you know, you got sexy shirtless boys and sexy cheerleaders singing their lungs out. Everybody loves that shit. Mm-hmm. The, the plot, I think, the plot, I think, works, despite the low stakes, you know, the... Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, Battle of the Sexes is sort of universally explorable. Yes. Um, the thing is, like I said, Lysistrata doesn't really care about the game. It's sort of her desire to care about something passionately, get others to jump on board and be passionate. The enemy in the show is sort of uh, being apathetic, you know, not giving it your all, so to speak. But it's just like, you know, you know what, maybe this is what that article is referring to uh, and the feminist um, Mm -hmm. parts of it very seemingly being written from a male lens. Her feminism is to lift up the boys. Yes. She's not fighting to have the girls win the cheerleading championship. She's doing all this for the men. It does seem that way, yes. Because I kept saying, what is she getting out of it? In the original Lestrade, you're ending a war, you're ending death, you're ending your... I mean, Suffering. it's still somewhat... You're, you're, you're saving your partner from death. You're saving your lands from being taken over. You're, like... This is just... The girls were... It's the girls doing feminism to benefit the boys. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well... Yeah, there's nothing lower stakes than a game of sport. Unless you have March Madness, whatever, you've you've made it, you're in a pool. Well, there you go. Balls on stage. That'll sink a show real fast. Um, uh, the Full Monty. (laughs) (laughs) Full Monty did great. Well, there were balls on stage, John. There were balls on stage, but they were safe and sound. They weren't flying all over the place, loosey-goosey. Well, I did know someone... I think it's someone we both know who did a production and the movement was to swing one arm up and around in like a, like, um, like a clock with a, I think it was a hat or something. And then when it met the bottom to move the other arm out of the way so that there was never genitals visible. But when he did it, he moved the two arms at the same time (laughs) once. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. 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 Thank you for joining us for this episode. Follow us on Instagram at Flop of the Heap or email us at show at flopoftheheappodcast.com to suggest our next flop. Thank you to all of our subscribers. And if you are not a subscriber yet, like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to be listening. And be sure to leave us a comment or request uh, our next flop. The Flop of the Heap podcast is researched, recorded, edited, and produced by me, Marla Alpert. And me, John Bow. Learn more about how you can support our floptastic endeavors by joining us at patreon.com slash flopoftheheappodcast. For as little as $5 a month, you too can be a Flop of the Heap podcast supporter. Balls in your court, John. Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> Give it up.